IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Hello again, friends, and welcome back to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. And Kirsten, we continue to have such good guests and rich conversation on our podcast, don't we? We do, Mark. I Just every time I re-listen to one of our podcasts, I'm blown away by the depth and width of the individuals and the soul and the passion that they have for you know, trying to create a better future for the individuals, the, the earth, the world. It's, it's mind-blowing sometimes. Yeah, it's very moving. And listeners, we really appreciate the feedback that we're getting from you individually by email or by social media. And if you have any comments, and if you'd like to subscribe and rate and review our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple or Google or Amazon or Spotify or Stitcher, all those podcast platforms that are out there, they all have reviews and ratings, and we appreciate your feedback. So uh, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and do that. Well, today, Kirsten, we're going to continue our conversation about pursuing one's soul potential and our human purpose, and really think about how we take care of each other and how we can represent the kind of human condition that we're going through. And our two guests today are Professor Anjali Kanogia and Professor Ryan Vaidya. And we're just so glad to have you both on our program. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, and uh, they are both professors and mentors and strategists and policy consultants in their own right. But we're going to talk today also about a collaboration they're working on, a new book, a new project called She Is, and it's raising the voices and telling the story of women who are enduring and coping with abuse in some way in their lives. So it's a very powerful story and a very powerful collaboration, and we're looking forward to learning more about it. But I think right before we do that, Anjali, tell us about your work individually. Yeah, and if I may interrupt real quick, I would love to know what a policy consultant is. What type of policies? Because that's exciting. Okay, yeah. So that's a very good question. We can start with that. So my PhD is in political science. So a policy consultant is someone who can help with any type of given policy whatever level it could be, something that in a public works project is working on at the local level, or um, whether it's like um, health policy where someone's trying to bring in alternative therapies to the market, it varies, right? So my specific focus is health policy. And so hopefully that will clarify a little bit. So yes, individually, I'm an academic. And also one of the things I want to mention is I am a yoga student, teacher, practitioner. So that kind of brings it all together. It's like sometimes people are like, how does this make sense? Well, it kind of does. Um, At least it makes sense to me. And that is pretty much my background. Yes. And Anjali, I love this combination of academic yogi. You know, when you put those two (laughs) together, that you're really bringing what many people think is alternative. I think most of our listeners, I'll be honest, think that that is a standard uh, medical practice. Absolutely. Depends on where you stand in the world, right? I mean, if you're looking east or looking or east looking west, yes, sometimes this is the primary source of modality. So it depends on where you are. Yes. Yes. And so how is your work bringing maybe what some would consider alternative medicine, but into the mainstream? and into the, I guess, patient's journey within the healthcare system. 
Okay, so that is a really good question. Um, and, that, and that is kind of how Dr. Bailey and I got connected too. Um, with understanding that what we see as something alternative is mainstream for many people in the world. That is um, yoga, including meditation, right? And that's, that's another thing to understand. Many people think that yoga is just a physical exercise, right? Um, and it's not. And we know that there are tons of scientific evidence-based studies uh, which have showed the impact and the influence on yoga therapies on people, whether it be cancer patients, stroke patients, um, even uh, low back pain can be you know, uh, taken care of with, with uh, certain yoga practices. And the same thing with mindfulness and meditation, right? So, so yoga is an eightfold path and part of that are the asanas or the postures as well as the breath exercises. So all of that um, combined, I think, is, is what the world knows as uh, yoga. And uh, I think it helps tremendously. And I want to, my role I think is to make sure that we, we bring the correct form to light for whichever the stakeholders are. And Professor Baidya, uh, good to talk to you again. Ryan and I go back a, a few years. You've worked a, a lot in the biopharma area, but also, you know, you're mentoring many young leaders and up and coming entrepreneurs as well. What sort of work are you doing these days? These days, I'm mostly doing this uh, mentoring for a startup company in Silicon Valley, few in Japan, and recently came from some of the people in Chinese incubator. Most, most of the time, and it's exciting because every young people, they're so energetic. So I, I actually steal some of their energy. Well, we do as well. And I know Kirsten and I are always so interested in this next generation of leaders. And mm. I'm curious from your point of view, do they have more than just, I'm, I want to start a company to make money? Do, do you find that these entrepreneurs also have maybe a higher purpose or a higher vision in changing the world? Yes, some of them have. If all of them have, you will not see it in the beginning and you should not see it and they should not focus on that because they should at least at that their, at the phase and the time, they should focus on the task at hand, which is like a karma. You've taken people's money, you've taken people in other people's life. They came to believe in your project, make that thing work. After the fruit comes, and that's when you're going to you're going to make the decision how you're going to go do the rest of it. You will not see it. It should be inside them, and that comes from the core of their understanding and education and upbringing. Mm -hmm. So let it come around and be demonstrated rather than just saying it. Right. Don't you say it? That's not. Yeah. And even you say I want to do rest of the world, but you don't have the means. If Jeff Bezos says, Bill Gates says, I want to do this, 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 okay, he will do it. If somebody else says that I'm going to do this and they don't have it, they have has a basic small job, they cannot do it. So interesting. Well, let's turn the page now to talk about the project that you're working together on. And it's this project called She Is. I'm very interested in, you know, I tried to give a bit of a description, but it's so powerful. I wanted to maybe ask you, how do you describe the project. The project C is is to uh, memorialize the the experience and suffering of the women at the present time, and this suffering is going on since since a long time, contemporary modern time till the ancient time, and and right now that the women are so brave, they came out 
they share their uh, views and, uh, and voices. And we thought that we should put this together in a way that it stays there, stays with us for a long time so that we don't forget it. And that's what we took it is in the form of book. And one of the part of the things is the book is normally you write with, the, with, with words and letters. Here we wanted to do it uh, with the image because we keep the image in our memory longer than the word. And incidentally, I have a friend in India who is a very good artist and he has worked on women issues, women suffering for a long time. So I use his, we use his artwork and women voices to put together this project. And Anjali, what attracted you to work with Ryan on a project like this? Hey, so I want to mention that Dr. Baidya, of course, I mean, yes, he's a mentor and I also look up to him as a mentor and he's the one who ignites that he's a catalyst that kind of lights up that fire, right, without getting consumed in the reaction. So that is his role. And that's how I got attracted to the project, uh, bringing in aspects about a little bit about female empowerment and harmony understanding that each of us have masculine and feminine characteristics, right? So this story about women absolutely needs to be told. Um, and as Dr. Baidya mentioned, how do you make this subject or this book um, or the story appealing while the stories are actually very sad? So that's where I kind of came in with a little bit of this, this positivity and, and especially kind of bringing the thought that, hey, things always did not used to be so bad for women, especially from my culture, Dr. Baidya's culture, right? From the Indian subcontinent, women were always revered, goddesses worshiped. So what happened over time to where like, we're at this place where there's so much suffering? So that's where I kind of came in thinking, hey, let me kind of see what we can do, uh, trace some kind of a little bit of history, even though we don't have too many words, start with some historical background about women and their role in society and how things are today, especially with different roles that women play. So that's how I uh, came to the project. Mm. So as a female, I want to say thank you. And also as a sufferer of various forms of abuse, thank you. And I will share my children will thank you. And I have permission to share their story. It's been talked to. So it's a very emotional conversation for me. And also walking into a corporate world, even with my various traumas, right? That were just not spoken to in the 80s. There was just no outlet or venue to speak to it. And you said something that I love, right? That female empowerment and then the balance. Because what happened is women became even more marginalized, attempting to fit in to corporations and became men. Right. And then we began to emasculate the males. So there was this paradigm that was just unhealthy and toxic in totality. So I love that you spoke to that um, female empowerment in the harmony. And I really don't have a question. I just want to make a statement because you know, similar to the Black Lives Matters movement or the Indigenous Peoples movement, anywhere where that, how did you, you know, speak to it, Dr. Ryan? It was not just, right? There are many areas of not just in, huh. in this country, but you spoke to that harmony and we need men to support us, which is why I love my co-host, Mark, because I know what he stands for and that helps empower the movement. So having healthy men that stand at our side is necessary. So I just, I wanted to highlight that because I 
it's huge. And thank you. Yes, of course. Um, one sentence on the harmony aspect. I get that from yoga, actually, right? I mean, we're trying to balance ourselves, balancing the masculine with the feminine, the right side with the left side, right? So without that male component, we will not see the female just alone thriving, right? So that that's why that's the, the, uh, the word harmony. Absolutely, you caught that. And Anjali, I also wanted to follow up on Kirsten's point, and that is, the, the difficulty of the stories and elevating the voices while still providing some positive outlook or some hope within the story. Otherwise, I mean, we could tell the story and only just be depressed and feel sorry, but you're trying to also catalyze us to some sort of other action. What do you feel that we should be motivated uh, to respond or to do in reaction to these stories? Really good question because we do address some of this um, later in the book. Just the first step is recognition, right? So knowing that a problem exists, um, even from a policy perspective, writing down what the problem is, and it gets you to providing solutions. So in this case, we have provided um, specific solutions for the Indian case, and not going too in depth about the sad stories, some of the sad stories coming from India, and then from other parts of the world also, which don't necessarily get covered. Um, relating to violence against women. So we've kind of proposed parallel justice system track, which kind of speeds up the justice aspects for women, not necessarily bypassing what exists, but at least kind of providing immediate relief and um, attention to what the victim's needs are. So that is kind of some of the policy prescriptions that we've provided, not giving away everything that's in the book. <laughs> that is what I'll share. Oh, that's very good. And Ryan, you mentioned mm -hmm. this strong artwork and this style of the mm -hmm. illustrator. I saw on your Medium page a preview of some of these illustrations, and uh, they are quite powerful. Yes, they are, actually. You know, do you know those are not painting? Mm. Those are made from paper. Wow, even more impressive. Tell okay. us about that. Could you say more about that? Because I did look at that artwork as well, and I'm curious what you mean by it's from paper. Yeah, those paper that you do for wrapping, small mm -hmm. paper. Mm -hmm. The artist, it, it, this is, a, a, you can think about a collage, but it's not a collage. It's a cellulose matrix, basically. There is a story behind his artwork. He became homeless. Uh, in the uh, 80s and uh, late 80s, he became homeless. No money to buy paint or, or the board. So in India, we have always festival and we use this paper to decorate. So he collected those paper and then he used board and his process is still secret. He have not given to it. He says, before I die, I would put it in there. Uh, <laughs> he's the only one he does uh, in this whole world. And whoever saw, we, we had several exhibitions in India, art exhibition. Uh, people came from many places all over the world. They think it's a paint. It's not a paint. It's a cellulose, basically. But I don't want to call it a collage because it's not the collage way a patchwork. It's, it looks like a painting. And his life is, I, I wrote his life in the book a little bit. I, do, I did not write his inner life. Why women has so inf influence on him. One story. One day he was so hungry, no food for several days, lying on the roadside pavement. He's sleeping right there. And then um, the worker women, meaning the prostitute, picked him up, 
take him their house and fed him. Then he became alive, basically. Uh, and that's why he has so much uh, 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 respect for women. And they don't, did not touch him. Meaning, you know, he was a very handsome man. I, I still he is, uh, but tall. Uh, but they say, don't touch him because he's not one of those. And if I may, I really, I just want to highlight, I mean, what touched me the most, it's, it was the prostitutes, right? Yeah. Those who are also judged and criminalized and demonized, right? And within them, they had such incredible humanity that that story that in and of it, it feels almost biblical, right? It is. Uh, That's how I get to know him slowly. And then we bonded. He basically, our relationship is like a brother, uh, brotherly relationship. So mm-hmm. he, ca- he calls me brother, I call him brother. Yeah, that's so good. So Ryan and Anjali, uh, where are you in the development of this book? What stage? And then where, where do you see taking it from here? So real quick, um, this is uh, with a graphics person right now. So we're going to have the e-copy out and then Dr. Baidya has a visit to India coming up and then he will kind of see about actually getting the prints done. Well, I am super excited. I I cannot wait. I would like my own copy, please. And I'll even pay for a signature from the artist if that's okay. (laughs) I just, I'm so moved by that story. Um, I'd like to, if you don't mind everybody, if I can switch. I think there's something equally as potent on the table. We have, you know, you are working with policy, which is so important worldwide on a global scale, right? There are so many policies that just don't support the people, period. Like you can insert any type of person. And then you're working with the younger generation. So there's this incredible combination of what's needed, right? And I I know from the work that I'm doing with the younger generations, they are all looking at this sustainable world, this conscious leadership, right? They want to have an impact in what they're doing. And I think that's what Mark was speaking to earlier in his question is how do those two, I mean, both of you have a high amount of influence on where we go in the future. What's the impact that you see these areas making? My view is that we are actually in a very difficult position right now at this moment uh, in US and globally. So it, everybody from the young generation to the people in the power have to come together very quickly and make multiple policy decisions in US specifically that will influence rest of the world. If we make some policy decision in a wrong way, the young generation will suffer years to come. Um, If you look beyond US, you see the situation is very bad and it's simmering under the water. You can can say that if depending on how we do politically here next to several months to a year, we'll see things are popping up in multiple places. And who will be the owner of those scenario situation is the young generation, because we, we will pass by, you know, they, they will live with all the uh, differences. And the US is important because of the economic power and the past 
hold uh, on the, on the uh, global uh, environment. So if we do not make the right decision, uh, difficult. How are we going to make it? And what will be the role for the young generation to influence this decision? Speak out now before it's too late. Speak out uh, in collectively. Because you can, you can see, you can see the, what, what the policymaker is doing even the last bill passed. It's ridiculous and it is laughable because they became a two football team, you know, two football team, just playing football. And we, our life is bundled in a football. They're kicking from this side to that side. Whoever has a one extra point, they are the, making the uh, policy rules. It's not going to go very well. So situation is, in my view, not that good unless the young generation speaks out now. Well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree with Dr. Baivia, so I won't repeat that. But to add to it, yes, we definitely need to rise this, this consciousness, right? And, and I think kind of that also comes from within. I mean, I have students all the time who were not exactly happy. So unless they are happy <laughs> internally, that change will not come um, externally. So that inside uh, needs to be happy, right? And some, often I think that um, that what we're missing, especially I've, I've been teaching since 2004, what we're missing is this disconnect, right? And yes, we can have all the diversity trainings in the world, but um, there's quite a bit of disconnect with other cultures, other traditions, other religions. So I think that kind of raising of consciousness as, hey, we have more in common than not, I think that is needed. Um, so I think if, if younger generation kind of realizes that and works towards that, they will have to be the change that they really want to see in the world. And I think Gandhi said that. And I really do tell my students that. I'm like, if I wanted to work on something, I have to get up and do it. I'm not going to wait for someone to do it for me, right? So yes, if someone wants to uh, make a change, go volunteer at your congressman's office, right? Go do an internship, write a blog. So just being active and doing something about it instead of just complaining is, is something that I think is the first step in um, taking us where we need to be. That's so interesting. You really brought to life this Gandhi quote that we've heard, you know, our whole lives. And you see it on a poster and you see it on a motivational calendar, but you've really brought it to life saying, no, no, I mean, you must take action. <laughs> this, right. is, this is not just for our feel good moments here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, very good. We want to ask you about uh, your own journeys, but before we go too far, uh, how can we get involved in making sure we follow the book's progress, connecting with you two and following your work? How can we do that? Uh, the idea, one of the idea I have that this book should be in every school, at least one copy, every business organization, at least one copy, and we need to bring it to them and bring it to the, all our uh, congressmen and politicians, they should know, they should keep it in their office so that uh, now and then they should watch and then say, okay, we cannot do it because my photograph will be there next time. Uh, so I hope it goes to every decision maker's hand, every company's uh, HR office so that they know, they know what's, what happened uh -huh. and how you can help. You can help me in those because we, both of us may not have, I do not have, I do not have very much link on getting through those places. I see what you're saying. Make those connections. Mm -hmm. Connection, right. And if somebody would like to donate either finances 
or support or introductions? How do they reach out to you? Uh, yes, this is actually a nonprofit project under the foundation called Takshila Foundation, 501c3. So we are not doing it for ourselves, any enriching uh, financially at all, zero. So I, we have a website, I can send it to you. They can donate. We really appreciate that because we are fighting internally how to support, how to fund this printing. It's, it's all colored pages, 250 plus pages, expensive printing. We want to give it to people free. Some people who cannot afford or who do not want to afford, but I, we think they should have. And also we want to send out to people, uh, those who may not know that book exists. So yes, we, we love to have donations uh, and, uh, uh, under the nonprofit 501c3 corporation. And there's a website. Yeah, a website for that thing, yes. Very good. Well, we'll put that in the show notes, uh, folks. So as you're looking uh, and, and listening to this podcast, scroll down to the notes and you'll be able to find the link to the foundation. Well, what a terrific conversation. Our guests have been Anjali Kanojia and Ryan Baidia. It's just so wonderful to talk to you. And before we conclude, you know, the title of our podcast here is IntelliKey Leadership Stories. And, you know, we always wanted to ask people about your own personal journey and how you feel like you're pursuing your purpose and achieving your full potential. So Anjali, maybe I could start with you. You know, you, you've got this sort of health pursuit, but also, you know, bringing in the traditional yogic principles. But how is your journey going uh, in terms of, do you feel like you're on your path? I definitely do. When I was um, an undergraduate, um, like every other young Indian person, kind of expected in a way to go to medical school. I did not do that. And, and surprisingly, my parents were supremely okay with it. So I feel um, very blessed in that way that I was allowed to pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. And I still pursued health, but from a different angle, right? So I definitely think that I'm on my path and this, uh, this all ego aside, um, when I administer a specific um, healing meditation or whatever it may be to um, someone. I mean, I've, I've always received positive feedback, fingers crossed. So I feel like, yes, I am on the path. So that kind of positive <laughs> feedback works as reinforcement. So yes, I do, I do believe that uh, this is exactly what I was uh, supposed to do and what I'm going to be doing for a while. And Ryan, what about you? How is your journey going? Uh, my journey is a sigmoidal, ups and down, um, just like a car, up and down. But I'm reaching to the, to the point that what I want to do, I want all each and every project I took on from the beginning is to do good while sustaining my own livelihood. And that's the process going on. And the health, you know, from the beginning, health is, is my fundamental background. And now with that, I combine history at this moment because realizing I need to know the history much better and if I know the history much better, then I can also tell other people that you should need to know your history. Because once we know the history like a tree, our root will be uh, uh, entrenched in, in the soil so we can sustain many a storm. So history is very important. Uh, that's a wonderful perspective. Kirsten, what a great image too, right? Our history is roots. Yeah, I, I just, I'm sorry, I'm very quiet, but I've chills through this whole conversation. It's been just, it's beautiful. And I think, not I think, I know 
when you're in the presence of sincerity in humility in generosity you feel it it's a feeling it's not a word it's not a it's an experience that you have and you know i don't know if our audience will be able to pick up on that but that's the experience i'm having where there's you know two leaders in the world doing good doing good just like you said that the simplicity of that do good while sustaining our own livelihood i thought that was real i actually wrote that down i think it's important for people to understand in a very simplistic way well, we really appreciate you bringing your insights and your stories to our podcast. Our guest has been Anjali Kanojia and Ryan Baidia. Thank you, folks, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you to you both. And listeners, this has been a great conversation. And Kirsten, I think about those that might want to continue the conversation. You, you host a virtual tea where we can share our reflections on a conversation like this. Tell us how to connect with that. Yes, I, I would love to. So every other Friday, I host a complimentary soul tea and conversations. And they're conversations designed to elevate your own understanding of your soul's journey and what your purpose is and to find pure souled people to commune with. So you have community to do that. And you can find it on my website, www.pureintellikey.com. And anybody is welcome to come. Well, we'll be sure to check that out and we'll be sure to follow up on this book project called She Is. And as we said, there's a website in the show notes where you can go and learn more about it and donate to the cause. Listeners, we appreciate you coming by our podcast and we really enjoy sharing these IntelliKey leadership stories with you. So until next time, for Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe that tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world. From singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management, we talk to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas and inspiring your creative thinking you can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity wherever you listen to podcasts.